On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Model 3 is delayed again for almost everyone, plus a deep dive into Tesla's Q4 earnings call, including all of the best sound bites from Elon Musk and the entire Tesla executive team. Welcome, friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and this is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. It's episode 132 for February 11th, 2018. To my left, Daisy the Boxer Puppy sleeping like a like a log. Uh, she had a very, very active puppy play session this evening, and yeah, she is she's out for the count, I think. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if she starts snoring and then louder and louder and louder as the podcast goes. Well, it was a heck of a week for Elon Musk, certainly. Uh, some highs, the highest of highs, and, and probably some significant lows as well. Certainly, it was a low week for a lot of us, a lot of the Model 3 reservation holders, a lot of Tesla fans. The stock took a beating this week, uh, the delays. We'll talk about all of that. But I did want to start by just, you know, I know this isn't a SpaceX podcast. It's not an Elon musk podcast. But I absolutely have to take a moment to congratulate Elon Musk and the entire SpaceX team for a, a remarkably successful first test launch of the Falcon Heavy rocket this week. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. If you have not seen it, you've no doubt heard about it, but it is still just unbelievable to watch. The whole thing is really, if you just fast forward in the the replay of the live stream, just down to, you know, T-minus a minute. Start there, and you start hearing the cheering. I mean, I don't want to give anything away, uh, but it is, it's about eight minutes long. So that's the point, is if you just fast forward to right before launch, it's only like eight minutes, and it's it's just, uh, honestly, it's inspiring. Like, it is, it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and And with, if anything... Elon's probably going to make that look real normal, uh, just like he has with with relanding the boost, the individual boosters. That's become like routine now. So uh, wonderful stuff from SpaceX this week. Uh, but yeah, not so wonderful on the Tesla front. It's uh, it's you know the delays are going to be a big focus of the show this week. But I did want to start real quick. A lot of folks following up with me wondering what the rumor that I was teasing last week was all about. Well, uh, let me just say that I'm glad I didn't go out there with this rumor because it hasn't happened. <laughs> and uh, it certainly hasn't happened. My source had given me a specific date. That came and went. It still hasn't happened. So uh, it looks like my source was either misinformed or plans just changed. So uh, that stuff happens. And that's why I'm always really careful about that stuff. But to make it up to you, I do want to give you a Tesla rumor that I do feel very, very comfortable and confident putting out there. So I have it on good, not, this isn't going to like shock the world or anything. So, you know, if, if Fred Lambert from Electric is listening, just, you know, you can relax your fingers on the keyboard. I don't think you'll be needing to write this up, but I have it on good authority that the dual motor test Model 3s that are out there, you'll recall... Uh, that I mentioned a series of dual-motor VINs, 
vehicle identification numbers that Tesla registered a couple weeks back. And in fact, they have since uh, registered another batch. Well, the thing about those cars that you'll be interested in, you know, you can't tell from looking at them that they're dual motor cars, but there is going to be a way for you to identify that they're VIN, uh, that they're dual motor cars. Because if you keep an eye on the uh, interiors, if you happen to see uh, an interior that might, you know, you might spot another highly anticipated option out in the wild pretty soon that's, uh, that's being implemented into test cars. So uh, keep your eyes peeled there. Quick housekeeping note, I wanted to remind you that next week, Monday, February 19th, that is the President's Day holiday here in the U.S., I'm just doing a little uh, Ask Me Anything session on my Patreon page for this podcast. So it's uh, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast is the page. And uh, on Monday the 19th at 9 a.m. Pacific, I'm going to hang out and answer any questions about anything. Tesla, I'm sure you'll mostly want to talk Tesla, but uh, anything you might want to ask me for about an hour. I, j- all you got to do, I'll make a post j- and just comment, just reply, just comment on that post and I am, will be happy to respond. If you don't already have a Patreon account, it's super easy to create one. You don't need to give any money to anyone for anything for that. Uh, but you can also just pop by. It'll be a public post. So even if you don't want to uh, make an account to be able to ask a question, you can just go look at it as well. So check that out on February 19th, 9 a.m., Pacific. Also, before we dive into the big Tesla week, one quick correction from last week. Uh, I was mistaken when I gave the update on the referral program, for which I do apologize. Uh, It turns out only the first referral in this referral period uh, gets the $500 service uh, slash accessories credit. Not every single referral, just the first one. So again, my apologies for that, but it is still up for grabs. If anyone happens to be buying a Model S or Model X and wants to get that uh, that credit, as well as the free unlimited lifetime supercharging that all the referrals get, you can use my cousin Patrick's code. It's Patrick5008. Just give that to your sales advisor or type in ts.la slash Patrick5008 into your browser to do it online. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, A lot of uh, sad faces, including mine, this week because the delivery estimates for the Model 3s have been pushed back almost entirely across the board with one particular notable exception. Now, you may want to log in and check your status on that, but I warn you, you are almost certainly not going to like what you see. In fact, you may have already received an email from Tesla about it I did. I did get one. So it would seem that all of the standard battery configurations have been pushed back to late 2018 is all they're saying. They're not giving months. They're not giving quarters. Late 2018, which would seem to indicate, you know, just assume December, basically. And November would be a gift at that point if that happens to come to fruition. And not only the standard battery but nearly everyone's dual motor all-wheel drive also says late 2018. And in fact, such is my fate. I went from, uh, and then on my first production, uh, it's, it went from December to February to 
March to May. So it moved the whole, a whole basically quarter back there. So this is now, as you, all of you are well aware, this is the second official delay, and this is a tough one. It's, it's not just a month this time. It is, as I said, an entire quarter. There's nothing we can do about it, uh, but it hurts, you know? I, I went from hoping once upon a time in the very early days of this, when we didn't know in what order Tesla would be prioritizing and, and how they, you know, which cars would be coming first. I went from thinking, you know, when Tesla was on track for, to start production on July 1st, 2017, I actually once upon a time thought I might just see my model three in my garage in time for my 37th birthday in September of 2017 to more recently, and the one that's, that, that's been uh, my thought for quite a while is, oh, okay, well, I had August to October for dual motors, so uh, it's looking pretty good that my Model 3 will be like a 38th birthday present to myself here in 2018. Now, I have to hope that Santa decides, uh, sees fit to leave an awesome red electric car with a T, with a T logo on it under my tree, uh, a full size, by the way, not the kid's version, <laughs> which, which I won't fit inside. And I, I don't think it's street legal, unfortunately. But, um, you know, Tesla obviously isn't trying to disappoint and frustrate people. They're building the cars as fast as they can and as reliably as they can. And remember, too, you know, it's just it's important to keep some historical uh, perspective in mind. Model S owners, the early S owners, and the, the folks that had been on the list for the X, they went through this same exact thing. But now, you fast forward, now that is ancient history, and no one remembers how, for one thing, nobody remembers how buggy and problematic the early Model Xs were, because time has fixed that problem. And nobody remembers uh, this, what the early Model S ramp was, even though they had a, a ton of uh, reservations for that car. You know, so Tesla is going to get there with the Model 3 in time. That being said, I do not want to gloss over the fact that the standard battery has been pushed back to late 2018 across the board. That is a far more important and significant scenario than my own personal situation of, of uh, patiently waiting for all-wheel drive. And the standard battery thing, it's going to catch Tesla a lot of flack. I mean, it already has, certainly, uh, in, in a lot of circles. And, you know, quite frankly, as uh, Daisy takes a drink behind me, if you're wondering what that sound is, I'm not sure if it's coming over the mic, but it, that, that flack on the standard battery delay... It's deserved this time uh, because the, the fact is Tesla will not be building the actual $35,000 car that they've promised for years now. That car will not be built for what is technically the entire first year and a half of production since production technically started at the end of July. Uh, of 2017. And that means that no one who orders the standard battery is going to see the full tax credit. Nobody. 
you're gonna be looking at a half tax credit at best. Now in Tesla's defense on that, they have always, always, always advertised the Model 3 as a $35,000 car before incentives. They've never tried to say, hey, this thing's, you know, it's only gonna be 27.5. Like, no, they've never even once suggested that. They've always called it a $35,000 car. But still, this is not a good look for them. Uh, to me, they are, Tesla is clearly going for higher margins per car with this move. Uh, and that is backed up, that, that sort of thought of mine, which I'm hardly the only person to have that thought, that's backed up by the fact, uh, here's the twist that I was teasing at the top of the show about not quite everyone getting delayed. A lot of the Canadian dual motor orders, dual motor estimates, now show mid-2018, which is somehow way ahead, six months ahead of me here in California. So that actually moves them up if obviously those uh, Canadian customers are willing to step up and order that configuration. Um, this move still, it would have still been criticized even if Tesla had planned and announced it from the beginning that they were gonna build the highest spec cars first, which if you remember, you go way back, that Elon originally said that's how it was gonna go. It was a tweet. He said they would build the highest spec cars first. And also there was historical precedence for that because that's how the Model S and the Model X went. The highest spec cars were built first. But uh, th this, this change in course is not going to make anyone happy who actually wants the $35,000 car. But you know who this is great news for? Chevy and Nissan. Because the Bolt and the Leaf are now the only really, we got to call it how it is. They're the only mass market, long range, affordable electric vehicles out there for what will be, you know, the better part of a year. Uh, th because the Model 3 currently starts at $49,000 and that's, it's going to cost that for a while. So, you know, we can't quite call that affordable the way, uh, the way that certainly not in the, by the definition Tesla has been using to tout the Model 3. And, you know, it's, the, the, my own personal situation is, is frustrating again. Um, you know, I, I really don't want to have to pay expensive California registration for another year on my 12-year-old uh, car. I don't want to have to put tires on this car, which the, I have uh, offset sizes, front and rear, uh, and the, I think it's the fronts, I don't know, whatever, one of them is like, it's probably, it was already probably going to be close. So I certainly don't want to have to spend that money. And I have to hope that nothing else comes up. You know, it's an old car. Uh, it's I mean, old, 12 years old, but it's, you know, things tend to creep up. I've, I've done clutch. I've done radiator. Uh, I've done a bunch of stuff over the last couple of years. That's, that's really, uh, really hurt me in the, in the wallet with this car. And it's, you know, every penny that goes into this car is just money flushed away. You know, that the money that I would much rather have put 
into the Model 3, not just for my own sake, not for my own uh, enjoyment, but just out of sheer practicality's sake. You know, the the Model 3 is the better investment than my current 12-year-old car is. And, you know, late 2018, so basically I have to interpret that as a three-month delay. And tax credit-wise, I'm not sure this is really going to affect me specifically or, or other folks holding out for, for dual motor because, uh, or at least if you had the same window previously as I did, some, some folks may have moved more uh, than I did, but the the uh, 200,000 unit in um, you know delivered in America that 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 tax credit threshold which will trigger the phase out it's still from what we can tell on track to trigger in Q2 which would mean it would last the full credit would last through Q3 which meant I had an outside shot at the full credit with a dual motor configuration under my previous window now no, no way you know now it's it's half credit probably because uh, the half credit would be at, at this, if we're going with this uh, line of thinking here, this hypothesis, it would be uh, Q4 and Q1 2019 would be the half credit before the it steps down to the quarter credit. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's disheartening. It's frustrating. I've seen people, uh, I've been, you know, reading uh, all the threads on the Tesla Motors Club forums. I've been getting tweets, you know, some people are canceling and I, I don't, I certainly don't, uh, wouldn't argue with anybody in, in that boat. You know, if, if, a if a bolt's the way to go for you or a leaf, you know, those cars have their, their disadvantages next to a model three primarily. I mean, there are certainly subjective things you could compare on them, the design and all that, but objectively, those cars are inferior road trip cars because of the lack of a high speed charging network for those vehicles. But, you know, if somebody's just trying to, they, they've got an old car and they, it's on its last legs and they, they need to get rid of it and they want an electric vehicle and maybe the, you know, they'll just rent a, an ICE for road trips, then yeah, you know, I, I could see, uh, wouldn't begrudge anybody going to a bolt or a leaf or, or who knows something, whatever else you decide to go with. But I, I I was uh, tempted to say, well, you know, maybe I should just get the first production car. But the thing is, I've waited this long. And, and pardon me, I know I've given this rap before, but I've been waiting so many years for this car. Uh, I've, I've been waiting for it since before it was called Model 3. I've been waiting for it since it was unofficially designated the Model E before Ford stepped in and decided to uh, lawyer up and prevent that from happening. So, you know, I'm not... Even though it, it's it's frustrating, it's disappointing. I'm I just can't let uh, three months affect what is going to be a a decade or maybe a lot more than that of owning my Model Three. So I've got to hang tough. I mean, I'm I'm lucky to be in a position where my car is old, but it's not. Knock on wood, it's not on its last legs. My mileage is relatively low. I'm at like uh, ninety eight thousand miles after twelve years. So not too bad in that department, but it's uh, it's tough, you know. It's tough for all of us. I, I I especially I just really my heart really goes out to the folks that were looking for that standard battery, 
and that the and those you know estimates were showing early 2018 and now late 2018. I mean, that's the backbreaker on this. Um, now I've seen a, a lot of chatter going around that of people saying, well, the the Canadians are getting Canadian dual motors are getting moved up to mid 2018. So that because Tesla's going to send a bunch of cars there to to you know maintain the tax credit and and uh, game it so that it doesn't trigger for another quarter. I don't. I just can't see it that way because the S and the X are are just rock steady production. They do twenty five ish thousand units of those cars a quarter plus however many Model Threes they're making and uh, now. It was it was pointed out to me by a listener. I, I you know, sir, I apologize. I don't recall uh, your name off the top of my head from from our Twitter conversation uh, earlier. But you know, it was somebody said, well, you know, you got to remember that some of those cars that maybe 40, 45 percent of them, some some percentage of those S's and X's every quarter are going overseas. So you know, those don't count against this tax credit. That is true. But again, the thing I countered with, unfortunately, is that. A hundred percent of Model Threes for the next, you know, at least several months are all going to United States customers. They're all counting for that credit. And the way I see this is not trying to game the tax credit system for the benefit of us. By the way, I'm not saying Tesla's. You know, I'm, I'm actually saying that they're trying to help us or in this in this example. But um, I would love for that to be true. But the fact that it's that, that it's the dual motor that's available to Canadian uh, reservation holders tells me this isn't a tax credit move. It's a we need money move uh, by Tesla. It's we don't want to build the $35,000 cars. We just we want to build more expensive and sell more expensive cars because, look, Tesla just lost a lot of money this quarter. We're going to talk all about the Q4 earnings call. Um, or, well, the, sorry, the... Yeah, Q4 earnings call. Um, I'm remembering it's Q1, but the <laughs> just getting confused over here. Don't mind me. But anyway, they lost a ton of money this last quarter. And they're, Elon and the company, they do have a responsibility to shareholders. They are a public company. Elon said many times he wishes Tesla could be private again. Uh, but, you know, it was made public out of necessity, and that is the situation. And so to me, I see this as not uh, Tesla trying to do right by us with the tax credit. I'm sure they would do that if they could, and I would love for that to be the case, but the fact that it's dual motor cars being made available in Canada tells me that they have, uh, you know, they want to maximize the cash flow. So we'll see what happens. Uh, But that is the delay situation, as you may have already discovered for yourself in your My Tesla account, in which case, I'm sorry to make you relive it here during the podcast, but let's keep rolling. Uh, Let's move into the earnings call itself. You guys that have been listening for a while know that these are some of my favorite shows, even though they're they're some of the most time consuming for me to put together. I go through, I listen to the whole thing, I take copious notes, which I that's the stuff I do every week. But then I chop up the the earnings call, pull out the best quotes, the best bits from Elon, and we talk. I play those, we talk about those. And that's the flow of the show. It's a little different than the normal weekly shows. And uh, on that note, there will not be a Ride the Lightning hotline section this week because as I look, I'm already 23 minutes into this podcast. 
uh, I've been I've been blabbering on for a while about the delay, and we're just now getting to the earnings call itself. So I, I assure you, next week we'll get back to the Ride the Lightning hotline. Please keep your calls coming, because I'm sure. A lot of you are going to have reactions to this. I want to hear from the Canadians that got moved up. I want to hear from other folks who got pushed back. If you're canceling, I'd be curious. Whatever, I would love to hear your reactions to this, as well as anything else uh, from the quarterly call that you're about to hear, as we'll talk about that. So again, you can record something on your smartphone, uh, you know, the voice memo program, and then email the file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline and leave a message anytime, day or night. That toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. So with that, let's get to the Q4 earnings call. Here are Elon Musk's opening remarks on the call. Uh, 2017 was obviously a big year for Tesla. Uh, We launched the Model 3, which is our first mass production vehicle. Um... And uh, it's, it's a huge step change for Tesla. Um, a lot of challenges, but uh, I think we made tremendous progress on that front. We also uh, designed uh, and installed and got into operation the world's largest battery uh, in Australia, the largest battery by a significant margin. Um, and that battery is exceeding its performance targets significantly. Um, we also unveiled the, uh, the Tesla Semi, uh, which is a super heavy-duty truck, maximum load uh, semi-truck, and the next-gen Roadster, which we believe will exceed uh, gasoline sports cars on every dimension. And uh, we also achieved record production uh, and deliveries of Model S and X. And overall, I think, um, well, there were challenges associated with Model 3 uh, ramp. We were in a deeper level of hell than we expected, Still, still a few levels deep, deeper than we'd like to be, uh, but swiftly um, exiting, I think. Um, and so it was really, I think, on balance, a phenomenal year. And I'd like to thank everyone at Tesla, who should be very proud of the work they've done. Uh, this is incredibly difficult. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for their hard work and contribution to um, 2017 being, being a really great year for Tesla. I also want to thank our suppliers, uh, particularly those involved in Model 3, um, as they've uh, shared the the very difficult struggle we've had in uh, ramping up production, um, and they've they've really uh, run the midnight oil, um, spent spent weekends and taken a lot of risks and um, suffered alongside us in in the challenges associated with the, the ramp. So thank, I'd like to thank them for supporting us uh, through this difficult time um, with Model Three, uh, as well our, our customers and Model Three reservation holders. Um, you're going to love your cars, and we're working to get them to you as quickly as we possibly can. Um, as for Model 3 production, we continue to make significant progress every day, and we're targeting a weekly production rate of 2,500 vehicles by the end of March and 5,000 by the end of Q2. Um, and as, as we'll talk about, as you see in the letter, uh, the quarter-of-a-quarter quarter production of Model 3 is rising exponentially. Um, so... I'm hopeful that people think that if you know we we can send a roadster to the asteroid belt, we can probably solve Model Three production. Uh, it's just a matter of time. So, and 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 really, the error bars on the timing are are really quite small in the grand scheme of things. 
So 2018 is likely to be very big for year for us. At some point in 2018, we expect to begin generating positive quarterly operating income on a sustained basis uh, after hitting 5,000 per week of Model 3 production. Um, and I am cautiously optimistic that we will be gap profitable. Um, it's not a, not not it's not certain, but it's I'm cautiously optimistic that uh, we will actually be uh, gap profitable with. Uh, no asterisk. Elon doesn't really say anything new here, but my big takeaway from this is that he doesn't sound particularly happy. And I don't mean personally, like I'm trying to pry into his life and figure out what's going on. I mean just with regard to the state of things at Tesla and his mood on this call. I don't think he's having fun on this call because uh, we've seen him be jovial and have fun on these calls in the past. Uh, As he notes, they're still in production hell, and he's, of course, right that it's solvable and it's temporary, but it, 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 it can't feel any better for them to be in it than it feels for us to be patiently or maybe not so patiently uh, waiting for our cars. You know, it's just, it's no fun for anyone on either side of the Model 3 fence right now. And this is, this is going to be what the Fudsters uh, cling to in the short term before, as I said, I predict after that, they'll, they'll move to, uh, to the full self-driving as their, their topic of choice. But, you know, this is going to haunt Tesla until they can get it figured out. So with that in mind, when can they figure it out? figure it out? Here's Elon Musk on the current state of the production ramp. Sure, I'll try to give as much um, uh, color as possible. Um, it, you know, it, I am reminded of, I think it may have been Churchill's line about um, uh, sausage. If, if, you, if you like uh, uh, sausage and, and respect the law, you should watch neither being made. Um, the, and to some degree, that is true of a production ramp. Um, so, you know, there's... I wouldn't read too much into the day-to-day battles of this or that, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the color, but don't, don't, like, don't read too much into it. Um, so, um, yes, there, there are four zones in module production. Module production is fundamentally uh, the limiting factor on um, Model 3 uh, output, uh, which is ironic since battery modules really should be the thing we're best at. Um, and I think, in part, we were probably a little overconfident, a little complacent in thinking that this is something we, we know and understand and uh, put a lot of attention on other things um, not uh, and, and just got too comfortable with our ability to do battery modules um, since we've been doing that since the start of the company. Um, and of the four zones, two of them, um, which were subcontracted to, the production systems were subcontracted to other companies, flat out didn't work, it turns out. Like, I mean, we were promised they would work they, they, and that just didn't work. So we had to do what would normally be maybe an 18-month uh, development cycle for uh, a production system of that uh, scale and complexity um, and try to do that in basically six months, or maybe a little six, six, six to nine months. Um, and we, we've tackled that on on multiple levels, so we, we, uh, we have a design um, that is nearing completion for a new automated system 
for Zona 1 and 2 uh, that uh, is being led by a Tesla Grumman team. Uh, it's an excellent design. All the other work that they've done has been has performed to spec. Um, and we expect uh, a single Tesla Grumman line to be equivalent to uh, three, if not four, of the like the current lines that we have, um, and be smaller, which is made kind of amazing. Um, and then we have what we call a, a semi-automatic line, um, which is uh, a, a series of small automated um, stations manned by people, um, and they've actually been remarkably effective. Uh, it's 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 actually something that renewed my faith in humanity, um, that um, the rapid evolution of progress and, and the, the ability of people to adapt um, rapidly uh, has, um, is quite remarkable. Um, our semi-automatic, our sort of semi-manual, semi-automatic line um, is exceeding uh, all three of the, uh, the, the automatic lines. Uh, right now, so uh, and that is something that we're able to scale quite rapidly. I mean, JB, is there an additional call you'd like to on that? Sure, that's a that's a great summary of it. Um, I think much has been made about the manual uh, production of modules, but it's really not very accurate. These are these are, as Elon said, semi-auto lines where we have people that are you know moving materials, perhaps between the machines that are actually performing the operations. But there are, there is still a, a degree of automation doing the operation. Right. It's not artisanal, exactly. Um, and you know this is what has been ramping, you know, quite effectively in the last, uh, in, the, in the first half of the first part of this year. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're we're continuing to uh, to expand that those semi-auto lines, and um, you know that is effectively bridging uh, the gap as we redesign the full automation and uh, bring that online. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty quite sort of uh, actually. I think I think it's probably worth um, providing some tours for investors that are interested, so you can actually see firsthand. I think a lot of it is like, if you see it firsthand, you'll understand exactly what's going on. Um, and so I think, I think let's arrange for some you know, tours for investors that are interested. Because um, I think you can get a really get a feel for what it is. Otherwise, it's just some words that are kind of hard to put to hard to imagine. I also just want to add, I think it's fair to say that, you know, this maybe degree of... Uh you know, complacency that happened at the end of last year has been pretty thoroughly replaced by an intense focus from a huge portion of the Tesla team. And there are a lot of different initiatives and teams, whole teams, you know, targeted at this area. So, I mean, as Elon opened with, it's it's not a question of if we will get to the production rate. It's just a question of the matter of time. Yeah, absolutely. If I, um, if I could just clarify, what's the run rate now with semi automation and, and when are you expecting the fully automated line to, to come on? Well, it's, it's probably a level of granularity that, that uh, is not productive to dive into in terms of exactly what is coming from which, which operation. Um, but we do expect the, the new automated lines to be landing and, and starting up uh, at the Gigafactory in, in just the next, uh, you know, well, you know, landing in sight within this quarter. Yeah. Okay. So expect the, the new automated line to arrive next month in March. Yep. Um, and then it, it's already, it's been, uh, it's it's working in Germany. Um, so then it's got to be trans, it's got to be dis disassembled, um, brought over to the gig factory and reassembled, and then um, brought into operation uh, at the gig factory. 
it's not a question of whether it works or not. It's just a question of disassembly, transport, and reassembly. Um, exactly. So that's, you know, that's a, yeah. Um, and so, so we expect to alleviate that constraint. Um, th that, with, with alleviating that constraint, that is, that's what gets us to the roughly uh, two to two and a half thousand, you know, per week um, uh, production rate. Um, the next constraint would be material conveyance at our Fremont uh, uh, vehicle plant, um, and um, so there's a, there's a very sophisticated automated, automated parts conveyance system. That's like we think it's probably probably most sophisticated in the world. Or at least we're not aware of one that is more more so. And um, and and the software for that is is quite complex. So that's that would be the next um, constraint on production to get to five thousand is the conveyance system in in Fremont. Um, so that that also appears to be on track. So. Um, yeah, we feel like the, the, the error bars around the uh, unit volume predictions are getting some more uh, with each passing week. I say this a lot, but I really don't think a lot of CEOs of major companies would be this candid. And I've always appreciated that about Elon Musk. He pretty clearly spelled out the problem with those production zones. And he even said it's not fully solved yet that the solution is at Tesla Groman in Germany and that it needs to be shipped over here and brought online next month. And that probably explains that the, the delivery estimates that we all saw in our My Tesla accounts this week. If that's, now, they did uh, issue a clarifying statement the day after the earnings call saying, well, you know, that's, it, we're still going to hit 2,000 to 2,500 a week before this equipment gets here. Uh, but so nevertheless, though, this, this equipment, this new zone situation uh, that Groman took care of is clearly uh, meant it is going to solve a bottleneck or it is meant to solve a bottleneck. And thus, you know, we're looking at March before Tesla takes another significant step forward in the production ramp, it would seem. So there is that. Now, uh, Elon was asked about a succession plan because you know the the his new compensation package calls for him to uh, remain you know with the company for another ten years, and if he wants to, he could install a CEO that would report to him while he does sort of product visionary stuff. He was asked about that, and here is Elon uh, telling the analyst in question exactly uh, whether or not he plans to have a CEO uh, report to him at any point in the near future. I mean, there's no there's no active search going on, or there's not even or, or passive or active or passive search going on for a new CEO of Tesla. I expect to remain CEO for the foreseeable future. Um, but uh, at some point, if there's somebody really spectacular inside or outside of the company who could take on that role, and for you know who'd want to um, you know have, have that title and that that role, and uh, that that'll be fine with me. And I would focus on a product development. Uh, which is, you know, design and, design and engineering, which is what, what I like doing best. Um, so but there, there are no, no plans to, to make change at this time. Well, this should reassure everybody, though the 10-year compensation package probably already did that. I know it did for me. 
Uh, not that I was super worried, but it's always it always it definitely made me feel good to know that Elon was locked in for another ten years. As a Tesla super fan who obsessively studies the company, though, I would say uh, in the hypothetical situation where there is a new CEO uh, and Elon steps into more of a product role, I would feel most comfortable with J.B. Straubel. He's Elon's right hand right now, and he's been with the company since the get-go, and he seems like the best person to make sure that Tesla keeps being Tesla whenever the day does come that Elon decides to step out of the CEO role. And remember, as I mentioned, the CEO would still report to Elon per that compensation package report, but nothing that we have to worry about anytime soon. All right, uh, next up, we get a Model Y mention as well as uh, production goals for the future and how things are looking uh, about with regards to Elon's optimistic production goals, remember those from from uh, 2016 after they first said that that they were you know really ra- uh, doubling up their long term production goals. So here's Elon on that topic. We are going to make some capital investments towards the end of this year related to Model Y. I don't want to drop the gun on those, but I think we've got a, a good plan. Um, I'm pretty excited about um, the. Uh, how we're designing Model Y. It's really taking a lot of lessons learned from Model 3 and saying, how do we design something to be easy to manufacture instead of health manufacture uh, or, or difficult, really, you know. Um, so I think it's going to be... Um, I, I really think it's going to be pretty, pretty great and pretty scalable for, the, for Model Y. But yeah, we are going to, uh, as you... Um, suspect need, need to make some capital uh, investments in the second half of this year, really late late Q3, Q4 for Model Y. Um, and, but I think we want to wait until, you know, wait, wait probably three to six months before announcing any definitive plans on production location um, and, and the details associated with that. Um, Is that million unit target still in play? Yes. That is a tall order because they've got to get to 10,000 units per week on the Model 3 in order to get to the 500,000 units per year. Plus, you've got the consistent 100,000 S and X combined per year. And then they'd have to introduce the Model Y and build 400,000 of them in about the first year, assuming that the Model Y is released in 2020. That, I mean... I love Elon, you guys know that, and I do love his optimism, but I just don't see any way for that to happen on that particular timeline. So um, taking that one with a, with a huge grain of salt. Next, a, uh, Elon was asked about the Tesla Semi, and he had some very optimistic words about that. Take a listen. Well, the big difference between two and four years um, you know, Tesla, you know, I've, I've said, I think, even a few years ago, I think Tesla's going to kind of grow uh, at an average of roughly 50% a year, um, which, which is a crazy average growth rate for a company manufacturing a complex product at scale. Um, so, so two versus four is a huge, huge difference. Um, 
But if you say, like, and, and it's much easier to predict. So this is these, these production that occurs, they, tend, they look like an S-curve where you have an initial uh, exponential, um, which, appear, which you know, the exponential appears, if, since people naturally tend to extrapolate on a straight-line basis, an exponential always appears, uh, the predictions are conservative in the beginning, um, and then the exponential takes off, then it becomes linear, and then it, and then it becomes logarithmic. Um, so, so it's easier to predict, not far easier to predict the the endpoint uh, or the steady state of the S curve than than anywhere on that exponential or or, or uh, log log curve. So, so if you say four years, I think a hundred thousand units a year is a reasonable expectation. Um, maybe more, but that's that's the right roughly the right number, I think. Um, For the Tesla Semi. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I think we might be able to exceed the specs that we we unveiled last year too, which is pretty exciting. Um, I know there's like speculation that we we might not meet them, but I think we're going to exceed them. Um, so, um, and and um, you know, I, I made this comment before. It's it's like people tend to like gloss over these comments, but I I, I would really take these to heart. Um, the the competitive strength of Tesla long term is not going to be the car; it's going to be the factory. Uh, the, we're going to productize the factory, um, and, and and really this this was a lesson that is is kind of obvious in history, because the the, the Model T wasn't the product; it was River Rouge. Um, the Model T was a very simple car; anybody could have made that car. Um, but not anyone could make River Rouge, and and that's really what will ultimate what will be Tesla's long-term competitive advantage. We, we, you know, we'll we'll have a, we'll have a great we'll have a great product, so a great design, a great engineering the product itself in, in the vehicles, um, and uh, you know autonomy and uh, all, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it's the, the factory is going to be the product that has the long-term sustained uh, competitive advantage. In my opinion. If Tesla is going to build 100,000 semis per year in the next four years, I've got to figure that they're going to need a new factory for them. Fremont is almost certainly going to be maxed out by the S, the X, and the 3. The Roadster might be able to sneak in there, maybe, given its smaller and definitely smaller production volume. So... Uh, I mean, we've heard in the past about Model Y needing its own production facility, so I wonder if the Y and the Semi might end up being produced in the same new factory. It could be called the Tesla Semi factory, right? No, no, don't go with that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm sorry for that horrible joke. Let's move on to Elon speaking to the strengths of Tesla's autopilot system. Someone brought up, hey, everybody else is using LiDAR. Uh, why aren't you doing that? That seems that seems weird. So, uh, you know, Elon definitely had something to say about that. Here it is. Yeah, well, first of all, I should say, you know, there's actually three sensor systems. There's, um, there, there are cameras, uh, including redundant forward cameras. Um, there are, there's the forward radar, and there's... Um, there are the ultrasonics for for near, near field. So the third is also the third set is also important for near near field stuff, just as it is for humans. Um, 
But I think it's pretty obvious that the road system is geared towards passive optical. Um, we have to solve passive optical in the image recognition um, extremely well in order to be able to drive in uh, any any given environment and a changing environment. We, we must solve passive optical image recognition. Um, we must solve it extremely well. At the point at which you have solved it extremely well, what is the point in having active optical, uh, meaning LIDAR, uh, which does not, which cannot read signs? Um, it, 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 it's just giving you, a, in my view, it is a crutch that will drive companies to a local maximum um, that, will, that, that will find very difficult to, to get out of. Um, if you take the hard path uh, of um, a sophisticated neural net that's capable of advanced image recognition, then uh, I think you, you achieve the global maximum. Um, and, and we combine that with increasingly sophisticated radar. And if you're going to pick an uh, active photon generator, um, doing so in 400 to 700 um, you know, nanometer uh, wavelength is pretty silly since you're getting that passively. Um, you would want to do active photon generation in, in the radar frequencies that are approximately around 4 millimeters because that is occlusion penetrating. Um, and you can essentially see through snow, rain, dust, uh, fog, anything. So but it's just I find it quite puzzling that companies would choose to do uh, active photon, an active photon system in the wrong wavelength. Um, they're going to have a whole bunch of expensive equipment, most of which makes the car uh, sort of expensive, ugly, and unnecessary. Uh, and I think they will find themselves at a competitive disadvantage. Um, now, perhaps I am wrong, um, in which case I'll look like a fool. But I am quite certain that I am not. I thought that was a really, really cool explanation of LiDAR versus the system that Tesla is using. I'd never heard it, heard it explained that way before. In fact, I don't really have anything to add to that other than I appreciate the fact that I actually learned something on that on this year's uh, this quarter's earnings call. So thank you, Elon. Let's talk margins now. Here's Deepak, uh, the CFO, talking about gross margins profits per car, that is, on the S and the X, how those those have been coming down, uh, you know, with the introduction of the 75 in uh, in the last, what, year or two. So here's Deepak speaking on that territory and commenting on uh, what the Model 3 margin might look like as well. Yeah, we feel very good about the recovery of S and X gross margin uh, to, um, in 2018 to, uh, to a level which we have seen in the past. Uh, and it's a combination of a variety of things. Um, uh, it, it's um, increasing the uh, mix of the larger batteries, the higher option content, and then also we have a very good and a robust um, manufacturing cost reduction roadmap. We will achieve a lot of manufacturing efficiencies which continue to occur on SNX, so we feel really good about it. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 our internal plan... You know whether we meet this or not, I don't know, but I, I think I think we will. Internal plan calls for somewhere around a 30 to 32 percent cash gross margin 
on SNX by the end of the year, and probably 25, maybe 26 percent uh, gap gross gross margin on SNX uh, towards the end of this year. Mm. Um, and then Model Three, maybe not by the end of this year, but not far behind it. Right, and this is as Elon said, internal roadmap, um, an internal plan. Things sometimes get delayed; they don't work out exactly. But I think you get a sense that we feel really good about the improvement that's ahead. Yeah. We have a clear path to that goal. Well, you know how they can get there? You heard Deepak mention getting people into the bigger battery S's and X's. Well, they could redesign the whole car and drop the 75 pack altogether and have higher margin 100 kilowatt and 130 kilowatt hour packs, which I predicted that would make me look really good if Tesla decided to do that. So we shall see how the year unfolds uh, in that department. Speaking of batteries, uh, JB Straubel here talking about the 2170 cells. An analyst asked, well, are you going to put the 2170s into the Model S and the X? And I thought this answer was very, very interesting. Here's JB. Well, this is JB. It's it's something we've, we've of course, contemplated, but it's, a, it's quite a, a large change to the architecture of, of the module mm-hmm. and the battery pack overall. And, you know, while, while the 18650 supply, you know, is um, somewhat of a cap at about 100K units per year, you know, even just a few months ago, you know, we, we didn't feel that, uh, that expanding and, and making some long-term bets on expanding that supply with Panasonic in Japan was, was really the right, the right risk. Um, it's something we could consider, but but right now, you know, we're we're pretty happy with that uh, that balance, and it matches our other production capabilities and our other investments. Yeah, it, it's also like for, for any um, given a complex manufacturer item, in order to go past the the target capacity, you really need to move move the whole supply chain in in cadence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, you really have to then shift everything. To say, okay, uh, if you want to make 20 cent more um, SNX, uh, everyone has to make 20 cent more. Um, there have to be investments in new lines, um, or it's going to require over time, which negatively affects gross margin. Um, you kind of design the manufacturing machine for a particular rate, um, and then you either have to redesign the machine or uh, go red line. Um, <laughs> and. Um, <coughs> So I think we like, feel pretty good about the 100K a year uh, for SNX, um, and we want to focus on just uh, improving the efficiency of production. And Thank you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, keeping the course on Model 3. I mean, that, that's really yeah, where yeah, exactly. the majority of the effort is. This is really interesting to me because what this tells me is that Tesla seems to feel the same thing that I've been telling you, that the S and the X aren't going to be the so-called flagships of the company for much longer. The Model 3 will be. The margins on the 3 might be a bit lower, but they make that up and then some, and then some on top of that when all things are going to be going well, with volume. They are acknowledging here that S and X production is basically capped at 100,000 units combined per year, and they sound totally okay with it. They're not panicked about that at all. So what that tells me is that the Model 3 could push forward in, say, the performance model department 
without risking SNX sales because those are going to be capped for the foreseeable future anyway. Very interesting statement by JB and Elon there. Another hot topic is the level four self-driving cross-country demo that was supposed to have happened by now. Elon was asked about that, and here is his update on it. Yeah, uh, so, so we, we actually, um, I mean, I meaning to address this, but because um, obviously I'm, I missed the mark on that front. Um, our focus is very much on Model 3 production, so everything else kind of took a second place to that. Um, but the we, we could have done the coast-to-coast drive, but it would have required too much specialized code to effectively ga- game it um, mm-hmm. or, or, or make it somewhat brittle in that it would work for one particular route but not be a general solution. Um, so other people would be able to repeat it, but, it, but just not any other route, um, which is not really a true solution. Um, I, I am pretty excited about how much progress we're making on the... Um, on the neural net front, um, and it's it's a little, it's 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 also one of those things that's kind of exponential, where the the progress doesn't seem like it doesn't, it doesn't seem like much progress doesn't seem like much progress, and suddenly wow, um, that's been my observation generally with AI stuff, uh, and you look at say something like what um, Google DeepMind did with AlphaGo, you know, went from not being able to beat um, even um, a pretty good Go player um, to suddenly it could beat the European champion, then it could beat the world champion, then it could thrash the world champion, then it could then then it could thrash everyone everyone simultaneously. Then they made Alpha Zero, which could thrash Alpha Go, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and where just learning against itself was better than all the world's human experts. It's going to kind of be like that for self-driving. Um, It'll see like, well, this is a lame driver, lame driver. Like, okay, this is a pretty good driver. Like, holy cow, this driver's good. It'll be like that. Um, I mean, timing-wise, I think we could probably do the coast-to-coast drive in three months, six months at the outside. And then is it available for customers immediately, or is there a lag? Yeah, that would be something that's available for customers. This is exactly what a lot of folks have been speculating, and that's the that the development of autopilot and full self-driving is going to happen fast once the features do finally start coming in. Uh, also, I, I saw this kind of make the rounds. I personally wouldn't read too much into Elon's statement at the end there about timing of full self-driving. I I think he might have misheard or misinterpreted the analyst's question. I think the analyst was asking if the self-driving software would be pushed to customers after the demo, uh, which is, I think, what a lot of people heard. But then I think Elon heard, is this going to be available to customers? As in just period at all ever. And that's where he said yes after the after the demo because I I would eat my show notes that that I am uh, working off of right now if full self driving was available to paying customers in 2018 
before I take delivery of my Model 3. That would be, that would be some kind of exponential progress on, uh, on full self-driving. So I, I think, again, you may have seen some buzz or chatter about that. I think Elon may have misinterpreted the uh, the question on the phone there. I mean, it can be hard to hear on those calls, and it's kind of weird, wild and weird. So um, I'm not putting a ton of uh, stock in that particular answer because I, I do think he, he misheard or misunderstood. All right, well, speaking of the Model 3, uh, the, <laughs> we don't have a natural segment break this week between the news section and the Ride the Lightning hotline section. So I hope you will pardon uh, me sort of crowbarring in an advertisement right here, but I'll make it quick. Uh, And it's also very interesting and potentially of use to a number of you. One of our very own Ride the Lightning community members, a gentleman by the name of Paul Hussey, has been lucky enough to take delivery of a Model 3. And since Tesla isn't offering their own test drives for reservation holders yet, Paul would like to offer you the chance to take his car out for a spin. You obviously don't even need to be a reservation holder. So it is just $25 for a one-hour test drive. Or if uh, you're having too much fun, you can keep the meter running if you want to keep the car a bit longer. Paul is in Chicago, specifically in Roscoe Village, just west of Wrigley Field. And the rentals are booked through GetAround. Dot com, which I've actually used before back uh, when I used to rent, uh, would rent the Roadster a couple times. So that means that payments and insurance are safe, secure, and very, very easy to do. You can sign up through Paul's website. There's a link that'll take you there. If you go to electricmotoring.net and click on the link in the upper right corner, you can sign up and uh, book your test drive of the Model 3 right there. All right, back to the conference call. Talking Gigafactory now. Uh, here's Elon talking a little, little gross margin of the Model 3 first, but then he kind of goes off on a, an, an interesting Gigafactory tangent. Take a listen to this. I think it, it, we feel good about that. Uh, I think, like, I think we're, probably are, we're probably able to exceed that next year. Um, probably. Um, like our understanding of manufacturing has improved dramatically. Um, We can think of a huge number of ways to make it far better, far more efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really excited about how much we're learning about manufacturing. That's why I said I think long-term strength Tesla will be the the manufacturing Mm -hmm. plants, essentially productizing the Gigafactory. Um, like the world's biggest product, basically, make it like make it, make a nuclear aircraft carrier look pretty small by comparison. Um, yeah, maybe just to, to add to that, I mean, the, the product uh, bill of materials cost and the you know embedded labor cost is, I think that's where there's opportunities, and we are simplifying and we're finding ways to improve the design incrementally as we go through the the ramp. Um, you know, if there's some small increases in capex, you know that that doesn't you know directly. it it will be overwhelmed by the improvements in simplicity and and some cost savings in the product itself. Yeah, I think bottom line is we we feel really optimistic about the long-term potential for gross margin on Model 3, especially Model Y. Yeah, we haven't seen anything fundamentally changes our view. I think Elon is saying that they could sell the Gigafactory template, like a buy-your-own Gigafactory kit. Like, for instance, if Boeing wanted one for passenger jets, 
they could buy a gigafactory from Tesla to help them build them super efficiently and and more quickly. So that's pretty cool. That, that's uh, that'll be an interesting uh, little business opportunity for Tesla in the future. All right, let's talk Model Y a little bit. Uh, but he kind of Elon goes off on another tangent here, which again is fascinating. It's about production speed and how fast production does go currently and should go in a factory. Take a listen. Yeah, we, we, we could be positive cash flow, um, like I think pretty significant positive cash flow probably in like third quarter, uh, you know, which is like four or five months from now. Um, but, but we think it makes sense to invest in Model Y. Um, and... Um, yeah. Future growth of our energy products, uh, energy uh, products Model yeah, 3, future growth of that. So. Yeah, the opportunities we see are just yep. see really good opportunities exactly. here. Um, yeah. It makes good business case and business sense to invest. <clears throat> yeah. Super bullish on me. In fact, can't, can't emphasize it enough. Um, and and what, what I find sort of interesting is that like the, our competitors, like, well, the, the car industry, thinks they're really good at manufacturing. And actually, they are quite good at manufacturing, but they just don't realize just how much potential there is for improvement. It's way more than they think. Um, I went through this math thing on a prior earnings call, but like it sounds like some of the, like the fastest car factories produce a car maybe every 25 seconds. Um, it sounds fast, but if you think of a five meter uh, long car, including gap, a four and a half meter car with a half meter gap or something, uh, that's only 0.2 meters per second. Um, like grandma with a walker can exceed the <laughs> speed of the fastest production line on Earth. Um, so really not that fast. Walking speed is one meter per second, so five times faster than the fastest production line on Earth. That's I, interesting. Why, why should at least be jogging speed? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the limit, companies should start caring about uh, the aero drag in the factory, which, you know, that's maybe around... 20 or 30 miles an hour, or, or to, to call, it, call it 30 kilometers an hour, 40 kilometers an hour. It's like stuff should be moving at that speed. I love hearing him talk like this. You can hear it when he speaks. In his mind, it makes perfect sense, and it seemingly amazes him that other people in his industry don't think the same way. And that's why that's why he accomplishes the things that he does. Well, one of many reasons, but uh, good stuff there from Elon. Now, a quick bit of very uh, important news crowbarred into the middle of the uh, of the call. I'm guessing Elon just forgot about it, and then someone slipped him a note in the middle of it. Uh, we've got an executive departure from Tesla. Here is Elon to tell you about that. Uh, actually, you know, um, one thing uh, we forgot to mention is um, uh, uh, John McNeil, uh, who is heading up our uh, sales uh, and service group, um, is departing the company. Um, uh, we wish him well in his future career. Uh, and um, going forward, I will be having uh, the uh, sales and service report directly to me. There are no plans to search for a replacement. I am surprised at this. 
Elon doesn't really need more responsibility. I wonder if it's just one of those, if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself kind of mentalities, or maybe a, I'm in production hell right now, I don't have time to go find and interview candidates, I'll just do it myself for a, for a while. Um, but whatever the case is, uh, I, I certainly hope that John's departure was amicable, and I, I very much wish him the best. I don't know him, I haven't met him, but he was instrumental in making, if you remember the, the story I relayed, the terminally ill Model 3 reservation holder uh, who was able to get his car delivered early, uh, that John John was a, a big part of that. So uh, clearly, he, he's good people, as are many at Tesla. So uh, wishing John all the best in his, uh, in his next move. All right, Elon now is going to talk about production constraints and exactly what is going on. Take a listen. Um, yeah, there's, there's really, there are only two things that I'm aware of um, that are constraints in production of, of any significance. The module being the most significant, um, and then the, um, the, part, the parts conveyance, basically the automated conveyance system that, that brings parts to the line. So the way that the Fremont factory is set up is that there's actually, um, on, on the ground floor, we actually created two, two levels. The, the, the bottom level is, is all parts conveyance. Um, so parts coming from um, a warehouse with, where the parts are sort of automatically stored um, and, then being, and then are transferred to an automated, automated conveyance system uh, all the way to the line. Uh, on the on the on, on the conveyance system being on the ground floor, and then raised up to the line, which is actually on on kind of an artificial mezzanine. Um, and um, I, I think we can uh, get uh, ten thousand vehicles a week out of out of Fremont without um, a significant without creating really any new buildings of significance in, in the existing space. Um, we will need to bring up the South Paint uh, shop, um, which is what we actually were using for uh, SNX uh, paint. Um, and so we upgraded uh, North Paint to do SX and 3. Um, but um, with relatively small capex, like way less than we spent on North Paint, we were confident we could bring South Paint up um, to achieve the uh, approximately 600,000 vehicle uh, per year rate to combine. You know, 100,000 SNX, 500,000 three, which would be 20 to 30 percent more than uh, Toyota and GM produced in the same uh, facilities, and, and we're a lot we're a lot more vertically integrated as well. So this goes back to my statement a little while ago about a million cars per year being way overly optimistic, in my opinion, for 2020. If the SNX are capped at about 100,000 combined. And you got 500,000 Model 3s. That is a lot of Model Ys that you'd have to build in a very, very short window after production starts. So we'll see. One, one challenge at a time. We're still, still trying to get the Model 3s out the door. All right. Let's really talk Model Y now. Uh, Elon Musk very excited about what's going to happen with that. Here he is. You know, I'm pretty excited about the Model Y stuff. And I, and I think I want to I want to present that in a more cohesive fashion um, uh, and it's, pr it's probably not the next ending call, but close six months from now. Um, and I, I'm, but I'm, I'm really excited about the Model Y manufacturing and and the design for manufacturing 
like uh, essentially how do we design out all the pain that, that we're currently going through? Um, we do not want to experience it again. <laughs> this is really, this is a lot of pain. I would emphasize the pain level is extremely high. Um, I mean, I was, I was in the factory, I was in the gay factory on Thanksgiving Day, as were uh, many other Tesla people. It's like, it's hardcore, okay? Seven days a week. Um, there aren't vacations. So, we don't want to repeat that. I want to see if I can get uh, some of the gentle, the gentle puppy snores that are going on right now. Let's see. All right, there you go. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> well, I did predict that we would see the unveiling of the Model 3 in Q4 of this year. That was part of my prediction show. Elon's statement here certainly lends a little bit of weight to that theory. So we shall see what happens as 2018 unfolds. Now, uh, we've mentioned SpaceX this week. Of course, obviously all the Tesla talk. Can we get the boring company involved? I think we can. We, we are we are looking at, at uh, building tunnels um, <laughs> using the boring company thing um, because we, we, we have, uh, for example, our seats production is at a separate building on on um, on page, um, and we have a bunch of trucks moving seats back and forth between the, the primary Fremont production and the, the seat factory, um, and, uh, and we actually get constrained on how many trucks can we dock at the dock and undock at the at the seat at the seat factory, which is only I don't know half a mile or a mile away from the vehicle plant. So it'd be pretty easy to just have a tunnel, do an automated conveyance um, from seats to the factory. Um, and there, I mean, the things we can do where we can um, build subsystems and then transport subsystems to Fremont. Um, these things get increasingly difficult, but but they're all doable. Um, but I can see a path where we get to say 600,000 Model 3 production um, and, and 100,000 SNX, so maybe 700K, uh, which would be like almost 30% more than GM uh, Toyota got out of the plant. Um, I mean, that seems achievable. I would think that Elon would have to get some kind of permission from the city of Fremont, but I can't possibly imagine Fremont telling him no, unless there's some sort of grave safety risk, in which case I can't imagine Elon would propose it in the first place. You know, Tesla put Fremont back on the map long after Numi's closure, and, you know, Fremont, the Tesla Fremont factory employs tens of thousands of people there. So uh, I think that means one thing. Let's get boring! Sorry, just a... I'm a little loopy tonight. It's uh, it's been a long a long week of podcast research, and as you can see, it's already been a very very long episode. But again, I love these episodes. They're fun. I like it when I can play clips from Elon and JB and Deepak and and all these Tesla executives. It makes it more fun for me, certainly. Okay, we are on the last clip, final clip here of the conference call. Again, uh, you know, there was a bunch of other boring financial jargony things that I, I didn't think were interesting. That's the whole point. I distill the long <laughs> quarterly call down into uh, the most interesting bits for you. And closing it up here is Elon talking about full self-driving 
as far as the option, the software option on the cars? Yeah, I think I think the probably the biggest item is um, uh, as we get the software right, uh, people upgrading to um, uh, your know, full self-driving capability of some SNX. Kind of anything with uh, hardware two, which is like you know the three hundred the eight cameras, um, uh, more advanced ultrasonics, and improved compute capability. I think we'll, we'll be capable of, of um, the, the full self driving. The full self driving, uh, the hardware two stuff is also capable of doing an easy swap out of the computer. So it turns out we need um, additional computing capability to meet the regulatory standards for. Um, uh, you know, for, for, for self-driving, for, for, for particularly if it's, like, like, we think with the current computer hardware, we can get to better than human, but the standard for regulators may be that you need to be, you know, five times better than human or something like that. Um, but we believe that is solvable purely with computer hardware. Um, so, and it would be a relatively minor expense to do that. So I think probably that's the biggest opportunity and along the same lines, um, not all customers take our enhanced autopilot too. And as yeah. people hear more, we can see even uptick on that. So, but it's all around autopilot. To your point. Yeah, exactly. But and and that some uh, of the um, the sort of semi-automated driving doesn't definitely doesn't require any any hardware upgrades. And that's you know, five thousand dollars. That's essentially a software product for five with zero cost, zero much, zero marginal cost and 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 so it's hundred percent margin. Um, and then when full self driving is available we think probably that's that's more than a three thousand dollar increment. That's yeah. Maybe five thousand dollar increment or something like that. Is there any data you can provide us though today in terms of the percentage of consumers that are um, upgrading or, or opting in? Um, you know, just to get a sense of kind of the, the order of magnitude that that business, what that business could look like over time. Yeah, this. Well, um, not more, not many people are opting in at this time. Well, but for the full self driving, since it doesn't actually right. work, essentially right. people are buying an option on it, on it working in the future. Right. Um, so that's it's a very like just single advantages or, or very like trailer. Right. Um, um, there's also the, you know, uh, as I mentioned prior, things that we expect to um, operate kind of a shared autonomy fleet, uh, where you know, Tesla's like kind of like a combination of uh, Uber or Lyft and uh, um, Airbnb, I guess, like where you can opt to have your car um, enter a shared fleet or not, and then Tesla can also operate uh, its own fleet in places where there's not enough people. Uh, Sharing their vehicles, um, so that, that, that's that's a pretty significant opportunity. I think we all suspected that the uptake on the full self-driving option might not be particularly high just yet, and it's not surprising to hear that that is indeed the case. However, when the day comes, I'm not saying if, when the day comes that it's ready and Tesla flips that switch, the cash injection into Tesla from people like me buying the $4,000 after delivery upgrade option on that, it's going to be like Uma Thurman getting that adrenaline shot straight into her heart in Pulp Fiction. That, that is the best analogy I can come up with for that. 
All right, there's your Q4 earnings call and analysis. Hope you enjoyed that. Couple of uh, sort of PS kind of points. From the shareholders letter, remember I haven't mentioned that yet. I want to read you three quick excerpts from it. The first one being, Despite the delays that we experienced in our production ramp, Model 3 net reservations remain stable in Q4. In recent weeks, they have continued to grow as Model 3 has arrived in select Tesla stores and received numerous positive reviews, including Automobile Magazine's 2018 Design of the Year Award. We want to thank both our Model 3 suppliers and our customers who have continued to be such great partners and advocates while patiently waiting as the ramp continues to accelerate. I wonder, as I sort of touched on earlier, I wonder if they might see a significant number of cancellations in the wake of the big delay on the standard battery. Also, on this note about uh, Model 3s going into showrooms, Model 3s are now available in to see and sit in in showrooms in Houston, Chicago Gold Coast location, and in Washington State in the Bellevue store. So if you're in one of those areas and you want to go see the Model 3 up close, you now have the opportunity to do so. A second point from the shareholder letter, here's an excerpt, Tesla saying, quote, there had initially been concerns about whether Model 3 would cannibalize Model S and Model X. It seems the opposite is true. In stores where Model 3 is on display, customer foot traffic has increased considerably and orders for Model S and Model X have in fact increased. There has been an even bigger increase in solar and power wall sales. The upcoming autonomous coast-to-coast drive will showcase a major leap forward for our self-driving technology. Additionally, an extensive overhaul of the underlying architecture of our software has now been completed, which has enabled a step change improvement in the collection and analysis of data and fundamentally enhanced its machine learning capabilities. Our neural net, which expands as our customer fleet fleet grows, pardon me, is able to collect and analyze more high-quality data than ever before, enabling us to roll out a series of new autopilot features in 2018 and beyond. Uh, So yeah, it just goes to show that once people see, touch, and drive these cars, I'm talking all the Teslas, not just the three, that sells them on it. It's what did it for me with the Roadster way back. Uh, You know, so I guess I shouldn't really be surprised at this. Finally, one more excerpt, the conclusion of the shareholder's letter says, quote, This year we are starting a new chapter of our journey. Hundreds of thousands of people will switch to our EVs and many others will turn their houses into near self-sufficient energy generators. This is the year when we believe we can achieve true cost parity. Producing a premium EV like the Model 3 will be no more expensive than producing an ICE vehicle, something that many believe is not yet possible. We'll continue to work as hard as we can to bring sustainable energy generation, storage, and consumption into the mainstream. Elon, all I have to say about that is give me my car. I'm ready. I want to join the family. I am set to go. Just build it for me, my friend. I'm ready. All right. Let me take a quick little break here. I need a glass of water. That was a whole lot of talking on my part. Again, skipping the Ride the Lightning hotline for this week because this show is already incredibly long, but that will be back next week. So all of you that called in last week, 
Your calls are queued up and ready to go for next week's show, and I very, very much encourage you to call in this week with your reactions to everything in the in the earnings call and obviously the, the big delay, or if you're Canadian and want to do a motor car, the uh, moving forward in the line. So call in. Again, you can email me a, rec- a voice recording that you can do right on your smartphone at uh, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can dial me up on the Ride the Lightning hotline, for which the toll-free number that you can call anytime and leave a message on is 1-888-989-8752. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. I want to start by mentioning my Patreon page. If you enjoy the podcast, you enjoy these uh, Q4, or rather these just quarterly earnings calls and all of the uh, time and editing and and analysis that goes into them, and and you might want to support my efforts on Patreon, I would certainly sincerely appreciate that. You can take a look at the Patreon page and decide for yourself at patreon.com slash Podcast. By the way, let's see here. uh, The... Abstract Ocean, you know, we've got the discount code that, that continues to run there, which is awesome. 20% off of your first order. Just use the coupon code RTL Podcast. That's all one word, RTL Podcast. Use that at checkout. And uh, they just sent an update, actually. They've got some products back in stock and some new stuff. They've got Model 3 screen protectors. So it, they've got clear, they've got anti fingerprint, anti glare. Uh, extra thick, ultra tough. And then the puddle lights are back in stock. Other than the actual Arabic number three, model three, they do have the the three bars, model three in stock. And then the ultra bright light upgrade is back in stock after they ran out just after Christmas. So again, uh, RTL podcast for a 20% off coupon code at abstractocean.com. Dot com. Immaculate Reflections is the Bay Area's premier detailing solution. If you're getting a Model 3 or any Tesla, you're going to want to keep that car looking awesome for a long, long time, many, many years. And you can do that any number of ways. You can use the ceramic coating, the C-Quartz Finest. You can do paint protection film. You can uh, do paint correction, new car delivery prep. There's, there's a range of things you can do. Uh, so whatever your budget, whatever you're looking to do on the car, check out Immaculate Reflections. You can go to irdetailing.com or find them on Yelp and Instagram at Immaculate underscore Reflections on those two websites. They are, again, they're a stone's throw from the Tesla factory. Uh, so if you're picking up at the factory or you're in Northern California, you should check them out. Again, my cousin Pat's referral code Still rolling there. It's Patrick5008, like I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, which remember TuneIn means you can get the podcast right in your Tesla if you're a Tesla owner. And uh, we're now on Spotify as well. The show is now on Spotify, which is just fantastic. You can also find individual MP3s and downloads, as well as the show's RSS feed at the hosting page, which is 
teslapodcast.libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N for Libsyn. I want to conclude this week by thanking the growing list of Patreon producers, the wonderful folks who kindly support my efforts each and every week on this podcast at the $20 level or higher per month. That is, uh, they're contributing 20 bucks or more uh, per month or more. So thank you so much. I'm going to read in reverse order this week uh, so that the, the newer folks get some a little more love. We've got Rome Strack. Thank you. Michael Callahan, Kenneth Martin, Harold Plug, Peter Chalet, Orion Coates, Lars Hoffman, Lee Sweet, Marcus Mayenshine, Tim Hyde, Sean Fournier, Richard Ouellette, Emotion Rentals, Jason Chalukas, John Lasher, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, Matthew Parra, Logan Willis, Michael O'Prey, Lisa Kaz, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, Paul Hussey, and Jeff Bartram. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support. It does mean the world to me, and, I, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's really, really true. It's uh, it, it just makes a huge difference for me, so thank you all so, so much. All right, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, hope, hope the additional time, I know this was a longer episode. Again, I'm always so very wary of, of being respectful of your time, but I don't think we dilly-dallied. I don't think we wasted time. There was a lot to get to on this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it, even though it was a bit longer. Uh, Maybe you enjoyed it more because it was longer. I don't know. But uh, in any case, thanks, everybody. Happy electric motoring, and I will see you all again next week.